You're listening to Faith with Friends podcast, where we talk about faith, relationships, spiritual growth. Welcome to our circle and the conversation where we seek to know God and make Him known. Now, here's your host, Lisa Lorenzo. Thank you for joining us today as we continue the conversation with Faith with Friends podcast. I'm here with my friend, Dr. Lydia Martinez, who has a PhD in marriage and family therapy. She's also a licensed mental health counselor and a master certificate in addiction. You can reach her for Christian counseling at Dr. Lydia, L-I-D-I-A Martinez.com. Welcome back, Dr. Martinez, and thank you for joining us. Ah, thank you, Lisa. I'm really excited about what God has in store for communication patterns and learning the right way, the wrong way, what to do if you have fallen in a hole, right? Communication-wise. Exactly. So last week we talked about examining your heart and your attitudes during and after conflicts. And I'm excited to dive in today for some ground rules for fighting fair and basically for healthy communication. Communication that really resolves conflict in a godly biblical manner. So I'm so excited. I think it's so needed. I was just reading yesterday that in April last year, so right after the pandemic started last year, divorce rates were up by 34%, mostly in new marriages. Can you imagine new marriages? Can you imagine that you were locked down with your new hubby having to make all those changes and not being able to process that along the way, other than the both of you at home? All the time. Yeah, exactly. I would think when it happened, I thought, wow, this is going to be so wonderful for marriages. But being in lockdown with somebody and not having that break in between just seeing all of their defects every single day, all day long, apparently did not do well for a lot of people. Yeah. And we, you know, you also have to think about the context of the lockdown. One thing is it wasn't like a honeymoon. It wasn't like everybody was excited to be home and you prepped for it. It was like, um, you know, there was a lot of fear involved too. Yeah, a scary you know? time. Yeah, definitely. And we're, we're not there now. I feel like we're, we're still under the, the blanket of the pandemic, but I feel like we're coming out of it yes. and, and everybody's adapting better to it. Don't you think? I do. And I think one very interesting aspect to this podcast is we all have some unhealthy communication patterns. Oh, yeah. Every single one of us. I looked at some of the lists that you had sent and I'm like, on one degree or another, I've done every single one of those things. So I think it's exciting to learn to recognize where we fall short. And, you know, Mm -hmm. it's as women... It's easy to go listen to a podcast like this and think, oh, my husband does this. My neighbor does this. My mom did this. But we're really inviting people to like quiet their heart and listen for maybe some things that you might not realize you're doing and you're doing that are unhealthy and maybe triggering the other person. And then listen. And if the other people in your life have one of these weaknesses, let's say, to listen to some of the anecdotes and and really get some ideas of how to turn the situation around. Yeah, I think so too. And just so that we're on the same page, how about we talk about some definitions of communication? What do you think? Absolutely. You start. Okay. So communication is obviously verbal and nonverbal. So your facial expression, verbal is obvious, right? The things that you say, this is the spoken word face-to-face or over the phone or even even over the video chatting that we do now. 
And nonverbal, that's the second one, that's using body language or facial expressions, okay? Uh, the third one is written, in written word. And now with technology, we text people all the time. Yes. Right? And it can sometimes we can misinterpret, right? We can read into it because it may be, it's just flat. There's yes. nothing else to it accentuate it. what mood I'm in, how I will receive your text. Uh-huh. I was just having this conversation with my sister today, somebody sent her a text. And when she was reading it to me, she said, look what she put. She put, I can't find it. And I'm like, why do you think she read it like that? Like, maybe she was just like, I can't find it. Like Mm -hmm. she was in a tense mood and she read what the person had sent her like aggressive. Right. And it's true. And And I love the nonverbal because I'm a very verbal person until I'm not. And then if I'm not, you can see it in my face from a hundred miles away. Like I can't fake it. I can't, if I'm upset, you're going to know it. And I do, unfortunately, sometimes shut down Mm -hmm. and I won't talk anymore. And I'll give you the cold treatment. That's my form of manipulation. Oh, well, I mean, doesn't that happen to everybody? And then you, what a chain of events, right? You see someone looking at you with that face and then you respond based on what they're giving you. Have you seen that commercial where they have poor communication? I don't know which carrier it is. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And it yeah, freezes. the connection is bad. Yeah. And it freezes the lady in like with a bad face, you know, yes, like, like she's carrying her critical. baby and going, you're yes. never happy. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, exactly and that's, right. what, that's exactly what happens with miscommunication. We just accidentally take the wrong snippet at the wrong time. And we think that, and we take it personal, right? Yes. I think texting is definitely a problem in this time. And I think when I do have a conflict with somebody, especially a friend, I'll be like, why don't you call me when you're ready to talk? Because on text, it's just, we're going back and forth. We're each trying to make our point. We're not communicating. We're Mm -hmm. not. At least I'm not able to communicate in that way because I'm reading to respond. I'm not reading to listen and understand. Right. And and text is like, it's that demand for instant, an instant answer. And then I'm not having a moment to like see your face, look into your eyes, hear your voice and really hear where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. And the more you know someone, the deeper I think that that communication gap exists because you may think you know what they're saying based on what your expectations are, based on your relationship, and you're not giving that person a chance. And then let's just throw in texting on top of that, when you so many opportunities to miss the real point, you know, to miss the opportunity to communicate well. But we have some guidelines today, right? We're going to talk about some fair fighting ground rules, right? Some ground rules for fair fighting. Now, if I could just get everybody that I have a conflict with to sign off on each of these, then <laughs> the world would be a better place. So let's go ahead and dive right in. And why don't you tell us some of the ground rules? Okay. First, we're going to start with our own reaction. I'm going to go over about 10 or 11 of them. And the first one begins with with us, our own personal, our bodies, and it's to remain calm. Okay. Do you know why we should remain calm? Well, once we get heated, then our frontal lobes no longer cooperating. And now <laughs> I'm, I'm on overdrive and I'm moved by emotion. 
Yeah, there you go. I couldn't have said it better myself. And you're right that if someone sees a train coming, what are they going to do? I'm, I'm not going to be another train and head in that direction. I'm going to run. I want to get away and as far away as possible from that. So yes. if, if we're calm, we're going to have more of an audience. But if you're going to come in all heated and steamed up, well, that's a sure way to turn off your audience. That's a sure yes. way to get rid of whatever right. you or Whatever. on the other extreme, I'm going to come at you with the same energy you're coming at me with. Oh, yeah. How explosive is that? Exactly. And we're mm-hmm. not getting anywhere. And and it's important. Speaking of explosion, that leads right into number two, to be able to express your feelings in words, not anxious. So if you feel angry or you feel upset or you feel that you you lose control, okay, it's okay to take a time out. It's okay to you know, take a little break or do something to help you feel calm, like drink a glass of water or ask to be excused to get up, go to the bathroom, splash water on your face, you know, take a break from that, that intensity and see if that helps. Yes. Also, I think as you were considering just the first two, remaining calm and expressing your feelings in words, so calm words, I think it reminds me of Psalm 103, Verse 8, that the Lord is merciful and gracious, and he's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Mm -hmm. And isn't that beautiful? Because slow to anger, while we all try to be Christ-like, gosh, in the flesh, I I know that there's many times that, that that's been hard for me to do. I know it's hard, hard for all of us, you know, but I think that if you slow that process down, you're going to have a better chance of communicating what your needs are than if you come out on all nine cylinders. You know what I'm saying? Right. So the third one I wanted to tell you was, yes, using your words. So let's funnel that down. Let's filter that down a little bit. And that would be, be specific about what's bothering you because vague complaints, you know, they're hard to work with and they can just lead to further miscommunication. Absolutely. You know, You're so ignoring it, me. Mm-hmm. Well, that's just another complaint. But I'm trying to tell you about my today. What happened to me, would you take a moment to listen to me, is very different than just complaining and saying, you always ignore me. You're ignoring me. Or you're very critical. Be specific. Mm-hmm. I worked hard making dinner all night, and I know it didn't come out great, but can you give me a little support and love right here? comes up much different than, you know, you always criticize everything. Nothing's ever good for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and those kind of complaints really, you're not asking for any change. You're just, what's the purpose? What's the goal? It's just to complain. So, which leads into the next one. This is the fourth one. Deal with only one issue at a time. So don't introduce other topics until the issue is fully discussed. How many times have you done that, Lisa? right? It makes me visually think of like a laundry line, like one thing after the other thing hung up one right after the other. We got to deal with one at a time, be able to deal with it good. And then don't bring it up again. When we forgive, we forgive and we forget and we move on. And if you are not able to do that, then, oh, that right there is a recipe for problems. Yeah. People quote often that first Corinthians 13 love is kind and patient. It says love keeps no record of wrong. 
And that's very difficult when I have in the back of my mind everything you've done for the past two weeks to me. And I've even thought sometimes, I'm going to write it down because I forget sometimes. And then he goes like, what have I done? Well, look at everything you've done. No, love keeps no record of wrong. So if you deal with the issues that are an issue, right? If we talked about that in the past, if you deal with something that's really hurting you or heavy on your heart at the time, then you have no reason to bring up the old laundry list. Mm-hmm. Because love forgives and, and moves on. It doesn't continue to bring up the list of things. And honestly, who can endure that? Who can mm-hmm. sit and listen to somebody that you care about tell you everything you've done wrong? God doesn't do that to us. He reveals our sin to us little by little because we wouldn't be able to. I mean, if he showed us our wickedness all at once, we'd probably all just dropped it. He breaks yeah. our heart little by little, allows us to mourn and grieve over who we are, and then reminds us of who we are in him. He always points us forward. So I think that's a great, great one that love does not keep a record of wrong. So keep one issue at a time. Mm -hmm. And along those lines, too, is that not only does love keep no record of wrong, but in that same passage, it also says that it's kind and love is patient and kind. It's not proud. It doesn't dishonor others, right? And that's what the next one is. It says, no hitting below the belt. If you attack someone in a personal, sensitive area, what do you think that is going to create? An atmosphere of love? No. An atmosphere of trust? No. An atmosphere of of honor? Absolutely not. Right. It creates completely the opposite. So, Which will probably go far beyond this conversation. Yes. And that hurt and that pain will linger. So when you're going to talk to someone and they are hurting you, um, you you got to think. One of the questions that I tell people to ask themselves, I say, is it going to help or is it going to hurt? So if you could slow yourself down a little bit and say, if what I'm about to say is going to help, well, then move forward. If it's going to hurt, then maybe it's not the right time and place. Which reminds me of Proverbs 15 that says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You might think you're winning the fight, quote unquote, but you're losing the battle because that person's going to walk away injured and probably more resentful than they came into the conversation. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that when we are being governed by our emotions, it's like, you remember playing ping pong before all of the high tech digital games, right? And that little ball gets bounced around, bing, 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 in that uh, pinball. I'm sorry, not ping yes, pong. Yes, Pinball. Well, that's kind of like what it is for us to be governed by our emotions. We get hurt and then we're bounced another way. And and then we have emotional reactions to that. And we get bounced another way. And we can't be like that. We have to be more like, com- like compass guided, guided by our own moral compass, our own um, emotional stability. And I'd say whether it's you or the person that either you are hitting below the belt or you are being hit below the belt, that to me is a signal that this conversation has ended. No good is going to come out of this conversation. This has to take place at another time and another place when we're both in a place of seeking to understand and compromise and come together. Because how do you respond to that? Once somebody gets dirty or nasty or hurtful, that's it. I've, there's no more communication happening because now I've shut down or they've shut down, but definitely we're no longer in a good place trying to understand each other. 
Mm -hmm. That's really a signal of immaturity. And I'm not even talking about spiritual immaturity. I'm talking about that's a signal of someone who they're hurt. That's the bottom line. They're hurt. And what are they going to do? They're going to lash out and they want to hurt you back, maybe even more. And it's sad because at that point, you're right. If you're mature enough, you should be able to say, let's agree to disagree. We can visit this at another time because you want to preserve the friendship. You want to preserve the relationship. I've done that before where I've, the moment that that's left my lips, I'm like, why, why did I say that? Oh my gosh. But then I'm, instead of being humble and saying, oh my goodness, let's stop. I'm sorry. This is not going in the right direction. I'll Mm -hmm. just kind of like try to cover it over with the little, the rug, throw the rug over it. But I think that that's a good place to say, you know what, that's the things that you're saying right now are very hurtful. We're no longer discussing the situation that's occurred or, or what we are meeting together for. So why don't we just leave it alone right now? Like that, it takes so much self-control and spiritual maturity and emotional maturity mm-hmm. to do, because I think our automatic reaction is to either I'm never going to speak to you again, run and hide or come out hitting. Oh, I do that. Well, what about you? Right. Yeah. And you have to have a little bit of grace in every relationship because these things are going to happen. They've happened to me. They've happened to you. They've happened to whoever's listening right now. They're going, oh yeah, that's happened to me. But the important thing is to how much grace are you going to allow yourself if you have open mouth, insert foot? How much grace are you going to allow for your relationship, you know, because once those things come out of your mouth, you can't go back. They're out there. That's right. Mm -hmm. So which leads into number six, which is avoiding accusations and accusations. You know, they lead others to focus on defending themselves rather than trying to understand you. So instead talk about how, how someone's actions made you feel. You know, the visual that I get for this one is like, if I were to be in a dark room and I turn a flashlight on and I put the flashlight on my face and it's dark, okay? And all you see is the flashlight on my face. You're going to look at me. You're going to be like interested in, well, why'd she do that? But if we're in a dark room and I turn the flashlight on right in your eyes, you know, it's going to be like, oh, what what are you doing? That is the perfect, I think, analogy for accusations. You make an accusation and you're not going to get the response you want. But if you shine the light on yourself and you can share responsibility or take accountability for what your role is in it, then, oh, that's a, that's a whole different kind of communication. Absolutely. And it reminds me in Zechariah where it says, they showed me Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of God and Satan standing at his right hand to accuse him. So Satan is our accuser, and I don't want to agree with Satan on anything. I don't want to use my words to accuse another person. The only way real change is going to come if if God convicts the heart and with his loving kindness reveals. He loves us so much that he shows us where we're falling short, and then that's our opportunity to repent and ask the Holy Spirit to help us grow. So I think accusations, name-calling, all of that, Anything that you do to put another person down, that's never going to fix an unhealthy communication. That's only adding to the problem. You're right. Exactly. And the next one is very similar to that third one that we talked about. If you're keeping score, the third one was to be specific about what's bothering you. And number seven says, try not to generalize. 
So you want to avoid words like always and never because these generalizations, they're usually inaccurate and they're only going to, I think, just stir the pot more, bring out more tension. I always say those words belong to God because God is the only one who never does something or always does something. Right. Those words don't belong to us. There's nobody on the earth can say, I always am a good, I'm always do the right thing, or I never made that mistake. No, we all have made mistakes. We all fall short of God's glory. So to put somebody in that category, you always do this or you never do this. Wow. You're not really seeing anything of value. And so that just makes me feel bad about myself. And I'm checking out again. Right. And it's kind of connected with number eight, because number eight says, avoid make-believe. And what it really is talking about is exaggerations, which is is similar to using the word never or Mm -hmm. always, because there's always exceptions, right? Right. But also avoid exaggerations or inventing a complaint. This is going to prevent the real issue from surfacing. So you want to stick to the facts. And your honest feelings. So don't add to the problem. Don't make more of a problem. You want to be more solution focused rather than problem focused. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I think that comes, which we're going to talk about in a later podcast, but maybe you can just touch on it now. That comes from, I believe, the projection. Sometimes people will project what they're doing or what they're feeling onto you. And I'm like, when when have I ever done that? What are you talking about? It's like... How can I argue? Show me one time that that's ever happened. And I realize now they're projecting, you're projecting what you're doing onto me or what somebody Mm -hmm. else has done to you onto me. That's right, Lisa. At a later podcast, we're going to talk about defense mechanisms and how they work into communication, how they, how they come out and manifest themselves and how we use our words and what we, what we say and what's in our heart comes out of our mouth, right? Yes. And if you are feeling something in your heart and you it comes out of your mouth, but you are projecting what you're feeling onto someone else, that's not healthy. That's not healthy exactly at all. does that mean? What is projecting? What is the definition of the psychological definition of projection in conflict? Okay. In conflict, projecting, definition of projecting. Here's the definition of projecting, extending outward beyond something else, protruding. Okay. Thank you, Siri. And so what that means is what's in your heart. If you're feeling bad about yourself, if you're feeling like, let's say, insecure about yourself and you go to your husband and you say, you're just so insecure. You're just always feeling bad about yourself. That's why you have to do these things. When in reality, it's not that that person or your husband is feeling like that. It's that you're the one that's feeling like that. You're putting that on the person. So what happens? That person receives that. And in the middle of a fight, they're going, what? Huh? What are you talking about? That's not me at all. And then after further thinking about it, they're like, wait a minute. This isn't me. This is you. Right. Mm -hmm. Similar to gaslighting. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a whole lot more about gaslighting, along with what Gottman calls the four horsemen. And these are like Poor, very poor ways of communicating. You want to destroy a relationship? Well, then follow what the four horsemen say. I'm not talking about the Revelation four horsemen. I'm right. talking about the, the 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 Gottman four horsemen. He talks about defensiveness, stonewalling, contempt, and criticism. He's got 
some antidotes for each one of those. And we're going to touch upon those too, but gosh, I found so many great resources that I think it would just be unjust for us to just touch upon them in one yes, second. I and agree. Move on. I agree. But yes, definitely avoiding make-believe or exaggeration. I think that, you know, if you stick to the facts, be transparent, be honest, you're, you're going to get further in your, in your and, communication. And be humble. Yes. Humbleness. I think a humble spirit empowers the other person to take a look at themselves because they're not having to push back on an, or feel attacked. Right. So that humble spirit helps them just to take a moment and at least it helps me. If somebody comes at me with a complaint and they're humble and they start calmly and I want to talk to you about this and I know that I've fallen short in this area and I know that these are some of your strengths that I admire, but this, what about this one? One issue that we've been having, then I can stop for a minute and analyze and do I ever do that? Or I can say, let me pray about it and get back to you. Mm-hmm. But I think that, yeah. So what was the next? I think what you're just saying moves into the next one because yeah. it's about not stockpiling your complaints, which is similar to pulling up a laundry list of things. And you want to deal with one issue at a time. Why? Because you want to be fair to the other person. You want to give the other person a chance. Don't you want better communication too? Yeah. So if you do one topic at a time, it's just as much your responsibility as the person who wants to address those things, as the addressee. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Because if you are holding a short list, yes, not even a list, deal with one thing at a time, deal with it as it comes. Of course, there's the right time and the right place to deal with problems. So I mean, you don't want to be like a nagging nanny all the time and be like, oh, well, you know, you, you didn't pull my chair up far enough. You didn't open the door right. You didn't, well, gosh then that's a whole different thing. But you also don't want to be like pulling up a whole list of, like we said before, pulling up a whole list of laundry problems that from the get-go, you want to deal with that one thing at a time. Deal with it one thing at a time. Talk to them patiently. Remain calm. Deal with it slowly. Give them a chance to, to find the error of their ways and to fix it. Give them a moment. Sometimes, you know, we live in such a world that is in such a hurry. That we, oh, they didn't fix it. They're doing it again. Well, you got to give a little room for people to make mistakes and to fix whatever it is that that they're being wronged at, right? Yes. The next one is, this I think would be like the polar opposite of the complainer. This would be like a person who clams up. That is just as bad as pulling out the whole laundry list. Maybe even worse. (laughs) Let me ask you something. Do you find yeah. often that those two people are married? <laughs> That's funny. It's true, um, though. Opposites attract. And I find that the people that are the arguers, fighters, complainers are married to the ones that are quiet and clam up and keep everything inside. Well, I'm going to tell you how that evolves. Okay. Because when you first meet each other, you you don't have, it's brand new. It's exciting. You know, you don't have that dynamic, but. As you become more serious and as you start to develop more uh, roles and dynamics between each other, there's always one partner who feels like they can do everything better than the other partner, right? And so then that partner, rather than giving the space and time to teach the other person or being open, okay, 
to learning a new way of doing things, maybe just doesn't have the patience, doesn't have the time, thinks that their way is the best way, the other person starts to shut down little by little by little. And so one person appears to become more verbal while the other one appears to become more kind of clammed up. Right. Right. And over time, it's just sort of the dynamic that's evolved between the two. Yes. I think I can definitely relate to that. (laughs) (laughs) I think I can share that when I was younger, I just, I parented the kids and I was a little impatient. So if they were doing something wrong and my husband didn't jump in, I jumped in all the time, every time, because I thought I did it better. And then when the kids were like teenagers and I'm drowning and I need some help, he was like, well, I don't know. So I recognized that, oh, wait, I've made a big mistake here for the past decade. Now what do I do? And I started when the kids would come and ask me for something, I would tell them, I'm not in charge. Poppy's the head of the house. You go and ask him. And sometimes he'd look at me like, what? I'm in charge. What am I in charge of? I don't know. (laughs) But little by little, he took that role and I just stood back. And then I am the talker, obviously. So we've had events at our house where we had to like have a little speech for introduce somebody. And I just looked at him and I said, oh, are you going to welcome everybody? And he said, okay. And all my friends were like, what? And he just started (laughs) welcoming everybody. And why? Because I recognized I take over that space because he's quiet. But if I would give him that room and I would pull back, then he would be able to rise up and take the spot that he's supposed to have. Yeah, that's exactly the dynamic that happens. And you're right, uh, especially, you know, new mommies and newlyweds. And we get so excited. Women get so excited about this new beginning. And that's how you're setting the stage, though, for the rest of your life for years to come. So you may have a lot of energy at the very beginning, but you got to give them space. You have to give husbands space so that they can do things their way. And it may not be your way. It may not be what you think is the right way, but you got to give them power in the relationship with your children, power in the relationship so that you don't squeeze them out. But yeah, that's great. about before giving them an opportunity. If they're, if you are the quiet one in the family, then you know that you need a moment to make a decision and you need a moment to think about things and process things differently. And if you're not, then you're married to the one that does. So recognize that they do want the opportunity, especially if it's a man, he is called to be the leader of the home. So giving him those extra moments or holding back a little, allowing them to take the leadership role. And then when he makes a mistake, because he will, we all will, staying quiet and supporting him, mm-hmm. supporting yes. him through the mistake, what you did the best that you thought and we're together in this and it's fine. And giving them that support instead of shaming them. I told you you should have done it my way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that takes a lot of maturity too, yeah. right? Takes a lot of Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, it does. And the very last one, which I I think should be the first one, okay, is to establish ground rules. And what does that look like? That means that you may want to ask your partner to read or or to discuss information with you, right? But you have to be come up with like a contract. You mean like when we argue, these are some ground rules that we're going to share. And when you're having a really bad day, then you'll ask me for a pass till tomorrow and. And I will graciously extend it to you. Mm -hmm. Or when we do group therapy, it's just important that at the very beginning, you know, especially when you've got like a group of say 10, 15 people, you say to everybody, well, here's the rules. Okay. 
we're all going to sit and we're going to talk one at a time and we're going to pass this talking stick around and everyone's going to get no more than two minutes. Okay. And the reason you do that ahead of time is so that if, if you're talking, you don't make anybody feel inadequate. So in group therapy, you wouldn't be like, oh, okay, that's enough time, Johnny. Okay. You've gone past your two minutes without telling him. Cause then he's going to be like, what? I, I didn't, that's it. It's just picking on me. So you lay the ground rules ahead of time and then you follow them. You, you lead a, by good, by example. You know, so if you're going to do that in a, in a home, you can't be that institutional in a home, but you can say some ground rules, like what you were saying. So I'm not a morning person, so don't, let's not talk about important things in the morning. Well, maybe I'm not an evening person, so we can't talk about them in the evening. Okay. Well, we work all week and we're just exhausted. The kids are all over us. Okay. Then how about we pick Saturday afternoon? Okay, be specific as saying every Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, we can drop the kids off at at Abuelas and then we can have an hour to talk. Okay, and then that would be the time to bring up the problems that you want to bring up. And then also, hey, listen, we're only going to bring up three things because I know we get heavy and passionate, and which could be end up good passion or could end up bad passion, you know, so. You know, got to put limits and and you know your relationship, you know your own limits, you know your own strengths. So you know what kind of, and you tweak it as you go along. It doesn't have to be set in stone either. Yes. Well, I'd like to add one more. Yes. Judge the action, not the motive. I've been so guilty of this. You did that to hurt me. You did Uh that to get back at me. You did that. No, I don't know why, but God tells me to believe the best in somebody, give them the benefit of the doubt. And so judging only what they did, you got home late for dinner tonight is a lot better than you got home late because you were trying to get back at me. Now I'm judging their motives and only God can judge somebody's motives, right? I can't look inside of their heart to see why they did what they did. So I can only judge. And that's a hard one for a lot of people, including me, because I do want to judge the motives because I think I know everybody's motives. So, yeah, <laughs> especially if you're hurting me, I know you're doing it intentionally, but you know mm. what, really holding back on the why and even giving them a benefit of the doubt where I don't think you did this to hurt me intentionally. Or if I know you, I can say, I really, I know you probably did not intentionally do this, but I need to tell you that this hurt me because it made me feel like whatever unworthy or unimportant in your life where Now I'm talking about, this is what you did. This is how it made me feel. I'm not telling you why you did it. Right. And there's like a little, that's a good point. That's, that's a tough one. Okay. Because when you're angry, it sure can feel like, you know, their motives, right? It sure feels like you can read their, their minds. Absolutely. There is a way to communicate like a little fill in the blank. And this is important because I don't think that people realize that when you use certain words that they can feel like an attack. I don't care how pretty or what a nice smile or how calm you are, that there are certain words that just make you feel like you're being attacked. And there's kind of a little formula if you want to practice this. Yes. And I'll give it to you. And it's it states like this. I feel blank when you blank and I would like you to. So gives you a chance to be able to approach a topic without like that flashlighting in your face, right. that light. So you say, I feel upset when you close the door when I have my arms filled with groceries. 
And I'd like you to please look behind so that you don't close the door on my face. Yes. If you use this formula, I, I think it would help to add just that other extra layer of communication where they're they're not feeling like you're you're shining that light in their face that, that you're trying to um, intimidate or instigate something. You're you're starting off with with how you feel. I okay. feel when you and and then what you want specifically. What you what do you want them to change? Because our feelings are fluid. Our feeling, I can't control your feelings. You can't control my feelings. Shoot, sometimes I can't control my own feelings. Exactly. Right? So you want to ask specifically for what you want. Yeah, I like that. Even in these rules, ground rules for, for communication, I feel disrespected when you shut down and walk away. And I would like you to tell me when we can sit down so you can hear me out. Perfect. That right there, you just applied a few of those by right. avoiding accusation, giving a little time for a little grace, a little time for them to reschedule if needed. So, I mean, it's this is a work in progress, Lisa. I don't think that we're going to become perfect communicators every day with just one exposure to communication techniques or, or do's and don'ts. I think it's a process. I think it's something that you have to go home and try and then come back and listen and try something new. Be patient with yourself. Have grace with yourself. Have a little bit of, uh, extend yourself a little bit of humor too. That goes Absolutely. a long way. And I think that what is my goal? If I'm in the middle of an argument and my goal is just to be right, then I might go to some of these techniques that we said not to do, right? Some of the don't do's. But if my goal is to end in a place where we're walking side by side and we're in agreement, mm -hmm. then I'm going to let a lot of stuff go for the sake of peace. Speak my peace. I'm not saying not to because I think that's another unhealthy thing. You know, if you're hurt, something's bothering you and you're going to keep it inside. Like you said, you don't stockpile it and keep it as ammunition for another day. But I think, okay, if my goal is I'm going to talk to my husband tonight about spending a little more time together, going out together by ourselves. Okay. And he took it as a criticism. And now we're arguing back and forth. And I have to stop sometimes and think, how how am I going to get to that place where we can end in agreement and compromise? This is mm -hmm. going in the wrong direction. Mm -hmm. So sometimes just humbling yourself and saying, this is really going in another direction. Because honestly, all I wanted you to do was to hear me out. And what my heart wants is just a little bit more alone time with you mm -hmm. instead of continuing, because I think we can get into that back and back, the pinball thing where it's like, well, you did this. Yeah, but you did this. And remember when you did this? Yeah. And remember, and it's back and forth and back. And forth. It's just who can win the best argument to make the other person, the quote unquote wrong or bad person, then I'm the right person. Two people are not walking away unwounded in that kind of communication. Wow, Lisa, you're never going to get him to take you out like that. Never. <laughs> Never. But if he doesn't give me what I want, I can go there. That's the honest truth on yes. any given day. I'm not saying every day, but when I'm in a bad mood and I'm being impatient and I'm being a brat and he's not compromising and he's stressed out from work, which is another good thing. Like know your timing, ladies, know your timing because mm -hmm. my husband would get home and he was so quiet. And I thought, oh, he doesn't like to be here. He doesn't like to be around me. He doesn't like me. And I realize after, no, he has a lot of stress at work. And when he comes home, he needs to decompress. And what he wants is me just to like sit next to him and 
have light conversations mm-hmm. and maybe, Hey, you want to go for a walk outside? You want to go get a coffee somewhere? They need support and help. And a lot of times we're at home thinking all day about you. You didn't kiss me before you left. And by the time you get home, I'm furious. And I'm like, you are so rude. And you're this. And here comes my list of things. And you never do this. And you never do that. And that this guy is sitting here going, I just got home from a terrible day at work. And I just needed five minutes alone. And now we're in a fight. Yeah. yeah and then even- it's a cycle. It's hard to break. But I'm here to tell you that with a lot of prayer and a lot of love from God, receiving the love and giving. God can change unhealthy communication patterns. And I can't wait to next week where we're going to look at the opposite list. We've talked about the 11 things you should avoid. And we're going to talk about 21 things that can improve your skills in communication. Amen. I'm excited to learn about that and see what can I apply. Oh, I think that would be great. I think that that is exactly where we need to head is positive communication. So if you follow the rules that we gave you, these are things to avoid. Right. And then we'll talk about the 21 effective communication techniques to improve your communication skills. And then we're going to dig a little deep. And we're going to talk about those four horsemen, Gottman's yes. four horsemen. I'll tell you more about Gottman and what he does and, and how he's been so effective with communication. And we're also going to talk about the five to one ratio, Lisa. This, I think, is the secret to a great marriage. Yes. I'm signing up on that one. Well, let me read a few scriptures to give you guys something to really meditate on as you go through this list. Maybe, maybe you're discouraged because you're thinking I do all of those things wrong, or maybe the person that you are trying to have healthy communications does everything wrong. And you just think there's no use. It's too much. I want to remind you that Ephesians 6, 12 teaches us that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against rulers and against authorities and against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Our enemy is not our husbands or even that person that's harmed you. Our enemy is Satan and Jesus is our victor. He's on our side and he just demonstrated healthy communications through his entire life so we can follow his pattern. And another one I want to end with It's Philippians chapter two, starting in verse one. It says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship from the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. And each of you should look not only at your own interest, but also the interest of others. And then it tells us what is the attitude we should follow. Your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being formed in the appearance of man he humbled himself and became obedient to the death to death even death on the cross so when you're feeling like a victim or you're feeling angry we can look to Christ and see his example that he gave us in service and love where he laid down his life 
and take it to the cross and pray about it because you can't change them. I'd say we can't even really change ourselves, but Christ in us can do exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. I have to agree with you, Lisa. I think that, um, you know, when I have people, when people come to see me, they're, they're, they don't realize what role they are playing in, in the toxicity of a relationship. And many times, you know, we've learned these patterns from, who knows, it might be generational, okay? Or it may be a self-defense thing. But the important thing is to know that there's hope in Christ. Yes. That if we are already in Christ, that we have a helper inside of us. And that's right. the Holy Spirit. And if we can just let the Holy Spirit, listen to the Holy Spirit and obey what that nudging is inside. I feel it too. Sometimes I get that nudging inside and I don't follow it. And then I go, oh, I should have listened to you. And sometimes I listen to it, even though inside I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. I don't know whether I should, uh, but it works out, you know? So you, we, that's just, I think, part of experience, part of maturity, part of listening to the Holy Spirit. And if you're having these communication problems and and you're fighting with someone who's not in Christ, that's that's even harder because now you're talking about a whole different mindset. So the I know that prayer works. And many times I will tell my clients, you have to pray for the other person. You have to pray, even if you feel like they are your enemy, even if you feel like they are your accuser, you have to pray for them. Why? Because sometimes God is the one that's going to work to soften their heart. Right. And not just soften their heart, but to to be open to listening. And, you know, we can't do that for people. That's something that's supernatural yeah. completely. That's even beyond psychology. That's even beyond any kind of therapy that I could ever study. Exactly. You know? But I am, I am grateful that God has given us this time to be able to talk. I feel like it's the right time. I feel Absolutely. like I think that with so much misinformation and miscommunication out there, that there, this would be a place that women can come to listen and say, oh, okay, well, what, what, what is God's role? All of this, what does prayer have to do with this? What do the, how can you apply the scriptures to communication? Is it still relevant in my life? You know, so I hope that through our conversations and the information that we can bring would help someone out there feel at peace, feel some yes. of those fruits that God wants us to feel. Uh, and understanding. Yes, let's pray. Speaking of prayer, would you close us in prayer? Oh, yes. Thank you. I, I surely would. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for Lisa. Thank you for the technology to be able to do this. Thank you for giving us the experiences that we've had, both good and bad, so that we can learn, so that you can prune us, and so that we can feel better about not just ourselves, but really feel better about communicating what you want for us. I pray that we give you glory and everything that we say and do. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to, to just work in us because we are not, we're not perfect, Lord. And I, I thank you for your grace that you've extended to me and to Lisa. And I pray that you would continue to guide us so that we could glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you're in Miami, actually, it doesn't matter where you are because we have Zoom now. But if you're interested in reaching out from to Dr. Martinez for some Christian counseling, then her number is 786-565-6916. And you can also go online. I will add her email and her website in the podcast notes. 
And thank you for joining us. I can't wait until you meet us next week for Therapy Thursday with Dr. Martinez. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for today's Faith with Friends podcast. We hope you will like and subscribe as we continue the conversation. Follow us on Instagram at Faith with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you forward to your friends so our circle will continue to grow?